0: Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning everybody. It's lovely to hear Therese May, isn't it saying exactly what we want to hear, but of course it's a load of old cobblers I'm afraid because I turn on the television on a weekly basis and watch border control programs and they've got one which I think deals with uh, with people who've entered the country illegally. And they go round every week and they find all these people in all these shops. And they go, oh, you've been here 14 years, you've been illegal and you think and she thinks she's going to solve this problem overnight. They're stretched to capacity. They don't have the facility for doing it. I mean, they should have, but what she's talking his claptrap, you know, it's nice and it's pie in the sky because they can't even sort out the problem we've got on our own doorstep. France is striking back against ISIS. They say they've got limitless bombs. As I said before, it sounds a bit like ISIS as well, doesn't it? And the number of Muslims in Europe now reaches 44 million. Surprisingly, the majority are in France. According to the, uh, the papers this morning, the majority of people, on a percentage basis, are in uh, France. Uh, in other stories today, the flood warning for 1,500 people. Here we go again. Here we go again. The Thames at the moment, in uh, around our way, unless they've, they've changed it, is at its lowest ever. What they do is they actually pull the plug on the Thames, effectively, and it, uh, the whole river thing dries up, so you can cross the River Thames, where we are in Twickenham, and they pick up shopping trolleys, cars. <coughs> You'd be surprised how much rubbish is uh, <coughs> sort of lying at the bottom of the river, and they sort all that out. But because of all the rain up north, they've issued a flood warning, a serious flood warning, to about 1,500 people. Just what you need, isn't it, before Christmas? Not. Uh, 40 years on, is it time for another helping of porridge? They might resurrect it. I thought it was good. Most of the cast, of course, aren't alive anymore. So they they could resurrect it. I don't know whether the time is uh, right. Uh, The British Christmas toy rip-off we'll tell you about a little bit later on. The family of four killed as a plane crashes in a gale. And by God, it was windy yesterday. I don't know whether you went out in it. Seriously, I was surprised that trees weren't uprooted. It was really... I think it was the aftermath... Of Hurricane Abigail, and it was—I mean, it was really quite windy. I mean, really tremendously windy. Uh, one in three are failing to check their breasts for cancer. Uh, the flower girl who wouldn't let go—it's a cute little story—and in these in these last few days of miserableness and uh, and story—and if you read through the papers again today, you know, in in one of the restaurants, the uh, the new girl who was working the bar in this place ushered people downstairs to hide away. I mean, you know, she was a little lifesaver and people were sort of throwing themselves. I mean, they, when, when the police moved into the dance hall area, they said, wave your hands if you're still alive. And that was uh, and that was how it was done. They, they talk about the people just being shot, calmly shot by these people who, who loaded up their rifles, shot them individually, people in wheelchairs and and then and then just reloaded and carried on firing. You can't really understand the mentality. As I said before, you've probably heard it all on LBC. I was amazed to hear somebody earlier on sort of saying they thought it was only what we were being told by the authorities. But, in fact, most of the uh, the newspaper comments are people who were there. I've never heard such naivety in my entire life. Uh, now they're going to bring in extra spies to protect the UK. 2,000 ex- Where they're going to come from, I don't know. We discussed on the programme yesterday, because it had come up, hadn't it, that the French can mobilise their troops fairly quickly... In fact, actually, compared to us, very, very quickly, we'd have to reassemble Parliament and then do a vote on whether or not we should bring the troops out. That's how desperate it is. But I think we're actually better protected. As it turns out, the uh, the French intelligence have been nothing worse than useless. They actually let one of these people go immediately after the explosion. They actually had them there. Blunders beyond belief. He, I mean, one of them, who's still on the run, this is Saleh Absalam, was stopped but then released. He's been on their list for ages. They released him. Another one, there was a a bomber who was waved into Europe posing as a Syrian refugee. We discovered this on the boats, didn't we? People on the boats, and they said, actually, the people who trafficked them across, look, there they are, there's one there, there's one there. These these people are being radicalised. But as I I pointed out to Gary downstairs on the desk when I came in, I said, the thing that you're dealing with now with these bombers, and I don't want to do it to the point of boredom for you this morning, but I think it's quite important, is the fact that they don't mind if they die. They couldn't care less. Whereas years ago, people would, would set up explosions and, and do things. When we had this with the IRA and we had all sorts of problems in London and we had cars being checked and police checks in the city and out of the city and, you know, underneath the cars with the mirrors and all that kind of stuff. But uh, But they weren't setting themselves on fire. These people don't care if they blow themselves up. They're more than happy to do it. So obviously explosives must be deadly easy to get in Europe. If in France they can get hold of explosives, enough to cause damage and to kill somebody. These these things must be... Are the shops or something? Where do they get it from? Apparently, easier to buy a Kalashnikov in France than it is anywhere else. They just come in from the Balkans. It's easy to get hold of these things. Far more difficult in, in this country. But as I said yesterday, you know, it's keep calm, carry on. That's, all, that's the only advice you can offer to anybody at all. Everybody's worried about it. I spoke... To, I was waiting for the car this morning and a police car pulls in. I thought, aye, aye, here we go. And it's, uh, it's my favourite WPC, one of my favourite WPCs, whose nan listens to this programme. And I was saying, you know, she said to me, she said, it's really quiet out on the streets this morning. I said, it generally is when I'm out here. I said, I'm generally about the only one, apart from a few people shoplifting from the charity shops. The bags that get left outside, people go along, they pick up the bag, sort out what they want, and then throw it away. It's, uh, you know, the, the influx of different people in this country now means that the, uh, that the whole situation has changed. Seriously, I mean, I've seen more beer cans on the streets of Twickenham, which is where I live, than I've ever seen in my entire life. At bus stops, beer cans, small bottles of vodka. Who are these people? Who's drinking at a bus stop? Answer, migrant workers coming in. They drink at bus stops. I mean, don't exactly find, you know, Auntie Annie from down the road standing there swigging out of a can of Stella, do you? And as I pointed out the other day, when I went to Lidl, all the people were, were buying in there, all the... the uh, the people who quite clearly weren't British, were buying cans of Stella, like 20 cans of Stella. They don't go to pubs. They, they just sit and drink in bus shelters or by the side of the road. They just drink of just about anywhere. Different mentality. Different mentality. But when you look at the blunders that were caused by the incompetence, and you see that they're, they're still hunting these people, you know what's going to happen. Shall I, fo- shall I map this out for you? The man they're looking for at the moment, uh, Salih Ebsalam. I promise you, they will find out where he is, there'll be a shootout, and he'll die in the shootout. We've seen it before, you'll see it again. What do you think they're going to do, take him into custody? He's not going to be want to be taken alive. It makes no difference to him whether he dies, so he might, you know, he, he could kill himself, we don't know. But it does seem that the police and the security services over there are just not up to it. What is reassuring for everybody is the amount of solidarity. People coming out on the streets around that restaurant where they just pulled up in a black Mercedes, went inside and opened fire. The, the people... It makes you weep, the picture. The picture just makes you weep because they're all standing there looking at all the flowers that have been laid outside the restaurant and that's ordinary people. The people who, who were killed came from every nationality. You know, every nationality. Whether these people were Syrians who actually committed the crime... ISIS have already claimed responsibility... So it doesn't matter because they've actually killed their own. There could have been Muslims. It could have been all sorts of people. Ordinary, ordinary people. People who went out there. We've since discovered that the girl who was hanging from outside the window was pregnant. Luckily, she was pulled back inside again. So there's a mercy. But the picture for me that absolutely does it is the Daily Mail this morning outside this uh, restaurant. And the Parisians standing there shoulder to shoulder. And this, uh, this sea of flowers in front of them. Uh, this was the uh, Le Petit Cambodge restaurant. Uh, Many of the victims have been on the restaurant's terraces, just enjoying a Friday night out, doing nothing, just enjoying a Friday night out. Ordinary people like you, like me, like, you know, your next-door neighbour, they're just ordinary people, and they went out and they showed solidarity because you don't expect that to happen. But don't think it won't happen again because it will. It just depends when it will happen, and that's why you keep calm and you carry on. You know, if I was one of these groups, I'd be thinking, right, let's let it calm down a little bit. We're getting all the coverage in the newspapers. Where are we looking at? Where are we looking at? Are we looking at a at an area of sort of, you know, dense people? Are we looking for somebody to stand in the middle of Oxford Street? I don't know. They don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. You would have no idea where they're going to strike. That's why. They might know who the people are and they might be monitoring them, which is the best thing you can do, but you don't know when they're going to do it. You just do not know. These things are meticulously planned. In France, they reckon February they were planning it from. February. To make sure that they knew that the first thing would happen here, and this will. you will now detonate here, you will go here, you will go into this. It was all meticulously planned. You don't just sort of say, we're going to go and target a concert hall. You've got to go and stake it out. You've got to go there. You've got to have a look at it. You've got to see where you can get in, where you can get out, all sorts of things. It's, it's meticulously planned, and yet, quite clearly, we all sort of stand back, don't we? For for a little while, we all become on edge. We all stand on tiptoe, peering over the parapet. We all stand there thinking, where, where, where next? And then after about a couple of weeks, we'll go, OK, that's fine. And we just forget about it again. I remember, I mean, you drive through the City of London. There were checkpoints in the City of London. I remember driving through. I got stopped. And and the, the police just sort of just put a mirror underneath the car... As if I'm going to be sitting in anything, thank you very much indeed, like that. Uh, But they didn't sort of go onto the back seat or open the boot or anything like that. And I thought, a bit of a cursory glance. I think now, I think they have to do it, because if anything else happens here, they're going to be saying, when did this person come in? Well, how come Theresa May said this was going to happen? And it certainly didn't, because if you watch the border control programmes, as I said at the beginning, you will discover that we've got thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of illegal immigrants in this country who've been here for donkey's years. They just, I mean, because apparently we have a system, unlike Australia, where if you watch it on the television programme, okay, we're refusing you entry to Australia, okay, fine. Over here, it goes into a disputes procedure. In Australia, they go, uh, the subject was removed later that day and sent back to India, Pakistan, wherever it happened to be. They remove them immediately, and there's a five year block on them. Over here, they just say, OK, if you'd just like to go and live in that detention centre for the next six months while we have a look around. And uh, the next thing, they've disappeared. You try finding him in a country of 75 million people. It's not easy, is it? Not easy. There are other stories in the papers. This one does dominate. It dominated yesterday Sunday's papers. It dominates the papers today. And it does make you feel slightly depressed about it. What with the weather... And uh, and these people coming to terms with losing their loved ones, uh, with, with people who just, they really couldn't give a toss. They don't care whether it's a man, a woman or a child that they kill. They're not remotely bothered. I heard somebody the other day trying to justify stoning of women. Trying to justify stoning of women. And I listened to the presenter saying, what, you actually think that's OK? Well, of course, if they've done something wrong, what? The stoning, of where are we coming from? I know where we're going to and I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Other stories in the papers today. The cheap fuel left off the motorway price signs and the bull set alight in a festival, which they have. They say it doesn't do any damage to the bull whatsoever. Riveting, isn't it? You couldn't make it up. You really couldn't. But it's in the papers. And the bad news is that the celebrity chef's tips on how to get crispy roast potatoes is more likely to give you cancer. And that is not the thing I wanted to hear today. Oh, and the new antibiotic alert and a bad story about Gemma Collins... In fact, you can't get a worse story about Gemma Collins, anything that mentions her. But the good news is, she's got a TV programme out of it, to face her demons. I'll tell you what the demon is, it's called McDonald's, dear. OK, end the programme. Quarter past four.
0: Steve Allen on LBC.
1: I'm Steve Allen, it's early breakfast. I wish I could bring you a crumb of comfort this morning, but, you know, there haven't been any more... Uh, deaths still the 129. It's just that the papers are full of of now where you know it was all cocked up. What went wrong? Pictures of all the people, not just in in Paris, but the people here in London, down in Trafalgar Square. They were holding a vigil down there. There's candles and flowers and everything else. I mean, it's just absolutely atrocious. It's I can't you can't raise a laugh out of anything, can you? Absolutely nothing at all. It's just it's just so appalling that uh, other human beings can can do that to other human beings. And you don't know why. I mean, I know that we, we raised the question at why Paris, and I'm assuming, well, according to one of the gunmen, it's because of the bombings in Syria. Is there a news ticker just come up? We, th- we think there's a news ticket that's just gone up from 129, 132 they've said dead now 132 dead we knew that there were uh, uh, some people on the critical list and there was about 300 injured so the latest uh, from sky on the news ticker says 132 dead that's up from the 129 that we were quoting earlier on i mean either way it's just it's 131 too many isn't it it's just 130 i can't i can't i can't get a laugh out of it i can't do anything i can't think of anything that you can say about it that's going to make it better for the people who've lost people to see these people standing outside this Uh, This restaurant and this cafe in tears just breaks your heart because you think it could happen here. It has happened here before. We've had the blowing up of buses. We've had under we've had all sorts of things here. But the and the thing is, I suppose London's always going to be the target. That's the capital, isn't it? Don't you just see? I look round at the skyline of London as I go over the bridges in the morning, and I think to myself, that just looks like a target to me. It just looks like the symbol of everything you know they absolutely hate odd, isn't it? They don't seem to mind sort of, you know, buying guns from the West and having telephones and all the latest equipment and yet show them a building that infuriates them and they just want to destroy it, you know, on that day that we were sort of watching 9-11. I mean, who could have believed that? I mean, you sat there in disbelief watching it. You sat there and you think to yourself, in this day and age, I can understand wars. I understand people going into war. I understand troops going into war. I don't quite understand where we, where we start with ISIS. I'd have no idea. I'm not educated enough to... to to sort of try and work out what you could sit down and talk about at the negotiating table. I don't think they know what they want. I don't think they've got the faintest idea. They just want to cause carnage. They're just against the West. Yet apparently they don't mind sex with uh, with children. That seems to be their latest thing, doesn't it? You know, young people. And when I say young people, I mean young people. And if they seem to be promised this eternal salvation, sitting on a cloud in heaven, surrounded by virgins, there's something mentally the matter with them? But you don't know what they want. How can you sit round a table and talk about things to people who have no idea? They're just bent on hatred. Just bent on hatred. Although the beheading thing, as you probably discovered over the weekend within conversation, is nothing new. That was going on back in Roman times. You know, that was the, the favoured method. But then when you see kids being trained to shoot people in the back of the head now, you begin to wonder whether or not the world has gone completely mad. And as I said yesterday, is there a God? And if there is, what's he doing Who's he listening to at the moment? And which one of these people is right? I mean, what, what do they think they're doing? Who are, they, who are they getting their information from? Is it just one man sitting there doing an interpretation of what he thinks is the Koran, or has he rewritten it completely? Because 90% of Muslims that I'm hearing talking on LBC are, are sort of denying this completely and now worrying about the fact that people go, oh, Muslim, oh, that means you must be a terrorist. That's that standard thing, isn't it? You go, God, oh, the ignorance of some people. The ignorance of some people. But it needs more people to stand up. It needs more Muslims to stand up and say, this is wrong. It's wrong on so many different levels. When you, But when you look at the solidarity and you look at the tears on the people's faces, people who've lost their loved ones, you, you suddenly realise it brings it home to you, doesn't it? There's nothing I can say that's going to change anything. Nothing that... Uh, I could say it's going to make it any safer out on the streets for the police officers who've got to go out there. You know, they take their life in their hands every single day. For that amount of money, you wouldn't find me doing it. Thank you very much indeed. I mean, now they've actually got this, this huge boost. 2,000 more spies. David Cameron said, 2,000 more spies. Where from? Where for, where they get them from? Is there a sort of a training camp somewhere in the Cotswolds where they go, oh, we've got some... How many do you need? Two th- well, we can send you 2,000 over. I noticed that on one of the uh, the missiles... It's an American missile. It's bound for the stronghold. Somebody's written on it from Paris with love. I kind of think this doesn't really help the situation. I kind of think that the more you bomb, the more they bomb. And it's tit for tat, tit for tat. And that's all it will... Co- what do you think they're going to do? They're actually going to sort of watch people bombing, you know, maybe their loved ones, no matter how warped their sort of sense of love is, and then not do anything, not do anything about it. You know, we 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 wrote this during the war. We put things on there, you know, with lots of love from all the British people kind of thing. And, it's, uh, and, and you read this and you think, well, I mean, I'm assuming they do get papers. I'm assuming they've got computers. They will see all of this stuff. They'll be delighted by the amount of coverage they've got. Delighted. But I don't think it solves the problem, doesn't it? I mean, I, I, I just don't think that if we go and bomb Syria, and I think we're actually quite wise to maybe step back and see what goes on with everybody else at the moment. Because, you know, I mean, I, I can't see anything... In America, I can't really see anybody going over there and bombing somebody. In America, They seem to have enough problems with their own internal uh, students at universities who go around doing mass killings. I mean, they've got more problems with guns than we could ever have, thank goodness, uh, that it doesn't happen over here. But it might. It might. But I just don't understand how going back... I can understand the, the gut reaction, as you would. If somebody, you know, did something to your family, you'd want to go and, and take some sort of revenge on them. In the case of Paris, they're back bombing again. But all I see is other groups of people going, right, what have carried on? But we're going to carry on bombing as well, and they'll do it again. Don't know where. Don't know when. Johnny says, OK, I'll stop leaving my cans and bottles at bus stops. It's the pressure. He says, before Uber, I could afford the mortgage payments, cab payments, and the tally man. The tally man, honestly. How old are you? <laughs> uh, somebody said, whilst condemning the, uh, the atrocities... Over in uh, Paris, we must be aware in this country of what goes on on our own doorstep. We must. We absolutely must. You've just got to be vigilant. I said yesterday, if you see something that looks slightly suspect, you phone the police. You phone the police. That's what the police are there for. They're there to sort of to pick up on these things. They don't want to be just driving around the streets looking for stuff. They need the public's help. In every which way but, as I say, talking to my police officers this morning, you know, a thankless job. Mind you, I can't see anybody any time soon bombing Twickenham, for goodness sake. The only thing we've actually got is charity shops. Not going to be much, much point of doing things like that. They want to do something that's got impact. And hence, Friday night in Paris, with a country that's been bombing Syria... And they go, right, so we target the entertainment places. That's what they don't like. They don't have any entertainment where they come from. So That's why used to make me laugh. We get people going, oh, they're radicalised. They've all gone to Syria. And I think, what do you think you're going there for? Bowling in a Disney movie on a Saturday night? Don't think so. It's not like that at all. Uh, we found a bullying NHS boss. Actually, we found a bullying story this morning in the papers. Apparently, it goes on more and more at work. Bullying goes on more and more at work. It depends what you call bullying, doesn't it, really? You know, I think some people think, I don't, I, don't, I don't really know how you define bullying at work. I have heard of it, quite clearly. But I just don't understand how you define it to somebody. What, what would be bullying? Would bullying be going, God, you're rubbish. Would that be bullying? Could that be seen as sort of verbal bullying? Or, I don't know, I can't think of, you know, I suppose on a daily basis saying to somebody, you're really rubbish at this job, aren't you? You're really, why don't you just go and do one? Why don't you go and do something? That could be seen as bullying. Or failing that, um, I'll see you after work kind of thing, like a school mentality. That could be seen as bullying, I suppose. Or feeling that, giving people, you know, jobs that they go, I don't want to do that. And they go, well, you're either doing it or you're leaving. That could be seen as bullying, couldn't it? Uh, you'll do it. I was watching The Apprentice last night, this morning. <coughs> and I suddenly realised, this is the dumbest group of people I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, one of them, they, they were painting the outside of a shop. And she's got a fairly smart frontage, this lady. And the shop was quite nice too, thank you. And, um, And they get paint on the sign because the wind blew and he was holding his brush. And so the brush went against the sign. And so her sign has now got splodges of paint all over it. I thought, this man's an idiot. And then you listen to them talking and you realise not only are they idiots, but they're sort of... They're fraudulent idiots. They've got no experience of anything. One of them... (coughs) Excuse me. He, um... They'd taken on a job of cleaning... It could have been a football club's um, uh, stairs. And so... He said to one of the girls, uh, if, if you scrape up all the chewing gum. So she starts scraping up the chewing gum. Worst job. The, one of them just stands there dictating. And he's, he's going to paint the yellow bits on the stairs. And the other one gets out the jet wash. So they start jet washing. And the girl goes, I can't get the chewing gum up now. Because, because it's, it's all gone wet. It just doesn't come up. You should have left it as it was. As anybody tells you, you get chewing gum on your clothes. Put them in the freezer. Freeze it. And then it breaks off. And try and get it off the other way. But uh, And then it was so wet, they couldn't paint.
0: Ridiculous. 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. It's ironic, isn't it? Four days ago,
1: four days ago... Theresa May was talking about police forces losing dedicated firearms teams four days ago. Strangely, never mentioned it the other day. Not a word on it. Not a peep. More from the papers uh, in a moment. I must do, uh, we haven't done a Gemma Collins story for ages. And luckily for us, there's another one in the paper today. The giant haystacks version of Gemma Collins uh, was out there. Uh, She wasn't allowed to return to the jungle for, let's just call them psychological issues. But anyway, she was uh, seen out the other day with Anthony Ant Middleton. You know, if you're really a buffoon, you have to have a silly little middle name. So Anthony Ant Middleton uh, was with this SAS programme. Uh, and he was out with Gemma Collins. Of course, there's two bits of news here that she isn't aware of, uh, because she's obviously not the brightest penny in the box, and she claimed not to know it. Firstly, he's married. Secondly, he's spent time in prison. He has a record for attacking police officers following a nightclub bust-up he's not a very pleasant person and of course Gemma Collins, who's just desperate to go out with anybody who can string more than one word together which is one more than her uh, goes out, apparently uh, Gemma said he's absolutely gorgeous She's quite clearly needs to go to Specsavers as well at the same time and, um, anyway, she met him and, um, he's been vocal about his wife and all the rest of it. I'd like to see the wife slugging it out with Gemma Collins. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be something to... An SAS, uh, person's wife. But anyway, he has been in prison. He served four months of his sentence. Uh, Gemma, of course, has a thing for, for bad boys. She's dated drug dealers. She's dated all sorts of people, actually. But uh, she says she might research her dates more carefully. Gemma Collins is 12. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it, really? An old woman of that age and she still hasn't got the faintest idea what exactly is going on. I wouldn't mind, but that story about him was in the papers three months ago. We did that on the programme. We did it three months ago on the programme. You know, I never trust these people. They say, oh, here's so-and-so, so-and-so, and they start bossing people around. You think I think you maybe have a violent streak underneath. Turned out he was a little bit more than violent as he was sent off to a prison, but never, never let that spoil a thing. Anyway, the good news about Gemma Collins is <clears throat> that uh, because she was... Uh, left the, the jungle after six days, which, of course, we did predict beforehand. If you check back in the archives, you'll discover that just before she went in, I said she won't do it very long. She'll be going in there, uh, trousering the fee and then sort of doing the whole, the whole bit. So, of course, she takes all her makeup off, in which case she turns into somebody totally unrecognisable. And then we have the whole... The tears and the, the mascara running down. It was so contrived, it was almost embarrassing. But apparently then she had to leave. So she managed, I think it was three days... Three days and then we spent spent the next six months trying to persuade her to give her fee to charity because she hadn't actually done anything to deserve it. And, of course, then she went on TV programmes and you see her sitting there and you realise she contributes zilch. She's neither funny nor witty nor educated nor articulate. She can't do anything at all. But the good news is that because she's got issues, issues, apparently she's going to face her issues. They're going to try and unravel them in a Channel 5 documentary about her. That'll be instant switch-off, won't it? Who on earth is going to be watching that? To watch Gemma Collins facing her, her demons. I suspect the demon is everything she puts in her mouth. I suspect it's probably that. Because, uh, and also the fact she's she's lonely. She's very lonely. And if you're lonely, you know, you you, you you sort of, you blame it on everybody else but yourself. Esther Ransom said she's lonely in the paper today. She wanted to set up, set up um, a silver dating club. She's, she thought about trying uh, dating on the internet. And then decided that because she's too famous, she's also over 70, um, that nobody would want to date her because she's Esther Ransom. I mean, I'm quite, quite of the opinion she ain't the little pushover you think she is. Oh, let me tell you, people have encountered Dame Esther. She's tough as old boots, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, she really is tough. She really is. You don't, you don't think a woman gets that high in television without pushing some noses out of joint. Whew. I wouldn't fancy any bloke you know, who was going to tangle with her. But anyway, so she's looking for love and she admits to turning to binge eating. Well, mind you, if you've ever seen Dame Esther up... She's stick-thin. She's like this thin. Seriously. You could pop her in a lucky bag and you wouldn't know there was anything in it. She's very tiny. Very, very tiny. I wish I could lose the weight and go down to that one. David Maidstone says at Charing Cross, the barriers are always left open last thing at night. So a security risk. We just need more people, don't we? But the trouble is, presumably, we have to vet the people who are going to be vetting the people. We've got to find out and make sure that everything's right. I mean, as you've all agreed with me up until now, nobody's disagreed with anything we've said. Even in France, groups have been cancelling left, right and centre. I think um, U2 have cancelled their dates. I think Coldplay have cancelled dates. Everybody's cancelled because they think that, you know, they could be a target, which, of course, they might... But to be honest with you, I think I, I, I seriously—if I was them—I'd have gone for it. All they're going to do is reschedule, which means that they just sort of—they just put it on the back burner for a little while. But it means that a lot of people don't get the uh, the opportunity of seeing the groups that they wanted to see. But uh, all because of that, all because of that. Um, another one here that says. Uh, we think that there's got a, a right-wing anti-Muslim backlash here to the detriment of all the good, innocent Muslim people. I don't think there is. I think only stupid people are going to associate a Muslim with terrorism. It is, compared to how many Muslims there are, this is a handful. Just a handful of people who, you know, for whatever reason, are simpletons, probably loners at school. They don't, strange enough, I must just tell you a very quick story. It's only because it, it came up yesterday. I was, we were going out for, for breakfast yesterday morning. And a friend of mine uh, lives in a, um, how can I describe it? It's sort of semi-posh, but with a rough side to it. You know, he, he, he's living in a, in a street where there are drug dealers. And, and he knows who the drug dealers are. Everybody knows who the drug dealers are in the street. And um, <clears throat> we're sort of just driving off. <coughs> this woman's walking towards us with this hulking great big bloke, really big bloke. And so he saw, I said, who's that? He said, oh, I know her. She lives around the corner. He said, that's her son. He's just come out of prison. I said, oh, right. I said, for what? And he said, armed robbery. I said, oh, great. He said, while he was in prison, he converted to Islam. And I went, why would he do that? <laughs> he's, he's British. He went, because he just thinks it's the way forward. And you think, so he's been in prison for armed robbery, and he's coming out. I mean, we know that there are lots of Muslims in prison. They're to build an extra nine prisons. So there's obviously a sort of um, a side to it that means that people... <coughs> Take advantage of other people. not sure armed robbery is the way forward, though, but he actually converted. So he's uh, he's he's Muslim now. I didn't think it was that easy, to be honest with you. But perhaps perhaps you can do it on the internet. Perhaps you just sort of go on. It's like being ordained as a minister, isn't it? 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. All the papers this morning, as you can well imagine, being Monday morning, um, are full of uh, the most wanted man that they're looking for now. And... Uh, there's now an international warrant issued for his arrest. But uh, to be honest with you, I mean, he could walk past me out downstairs. I wouldn't have the faintest idea. His name is uh, Salah Absalam, feared to be armed and dangerous. I would think that would be a, a pretty, uh, pretty accurate description. And uh, members of his family are linked to the massacre. One is on the run, and uh, as I say, no doubt he will be caught. Because uh, that's the way that it works. I've seen it time and time again. It's happened over the years. I think it'll probably happen to him. The Mirror are talking about the extra spies to protect the UK. I don't think extra spies are going to protect the UK. I really don't. I think we just have to make sure that what Theresa May says is uh, going to happen. That they are going to be out there and they are going to be vetting people properly. And when I say properly, I mean not just some cursory glance at somebody's passport. (coughs) Excuse me, I think we're actually looking at something a lot more serious. Because if one of these people who committed this atrocity in Paris actually came in as a Syrian refugee, I think we should be very afraid. Very, very afraid. Uh, (coughs) Other story, mail today, the deadly blunders. This is the blunders of... I mean, really. They've done 23 pages, basically, on how the security was in a total shambles. Total shambles. And all sorts of things happened that shouldn't have done. Just take a quick break, actually? It's uh, coming up quarter to five.
0: Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. 13 minutes to five. It's Monday. Do you know, I forgot to give you the date as well. Only because yesterday I was so appalled that we'd had bonfire night and then magically it became the 15th of November. And I remember thinking... In fact, last night I was sort of lying in bed, dozing between this world and the next... And hearing fireworks going off. I thought, what are we celebrating now? Is there something we're celebrating? God knows we need some good news, don't we? And the good news I bring you this morning is that the lottery tomorrow is £101 million. The bad news is you don't stand a cat in hell's chance of winning it. That's why it's got to this ridiculous amount of money. They've now made it so, so difficult it's almost nigh on impossible. It'll be, it'll be somebody somewhere, though. Well, hopefully not. It always depresses you, doesn't it? You go and you buy a few tickets. And then and they go, and Mary, who's 97, has just won it. You think, oh, God, blimey. <laughs> but then everybody stands a chance. It's the only bit of good news. That could just cheer your Christmas up, couldn't it? Mind you, in the, the state we're all in at the moment, I don't know where you'd want to go with under one million. I can't think of anywhere. I'm not sure if I want to fly anywhere. I want to go by... I don't know where I want to go, actually. I really don't. You just want to... I was saying to a friend of mine the other day, do you know, the world has changed so much... You know, even, you know, ordinary people listening to this programme, I say ordinary people as opposed to the usual bunch of sort of uh, peculiars, you know, you, you sort of think to yourself, it has changed so much. In the eighties. I was watching some old films the other day, and in fact, they, I think Channel 5... In between Gemma Collins, and God knows that'll be clogging up the schedules, um, is, is showing a load of Christmas films. So we had sort of Christmas film after Christmas film, and they were, they were the, the cheap version of the Christmas films, none of the big, big blockbuster things, but still quite nice. It was, you know, it was sort of, you know, girl meets man, man falls in love, man not interested then, and then ex lover. Gets, it's one of those sort of things. And it had a happy ending, and it was all quite sweet, but done on a budget, you could tell that because the wedding was only attended by 20 people. If it was a big budget film, there'd be hundreds of people out there. And I thought to myself, you know, that, that, that sort of harks back to a better time, doesn't it? When, you know, you didn't find people being attacked on the street. There was somebody attacked on the street the other day in London, in Stamford Hill. Somebody was sprayed in the face with a the substance. They're not too sure what it was. And you think, what is going on? We have police officers now who photo up LBC. They get spat on by people, spat on, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you sometimes wonder, if the cameras weren't there, whether or not the police officers should be allowed to sort of just get away with sort of doing a little bit more than restraining people. Because it's just ridic- People spit in their faces. How can that be? So if you had 101 million, you'd think you could probably solve the world's problems, couldn't you? But you can't. You can't solve the world's problems. The world can solve its own problems, but at the rate it's going at the moment, there might not be much of the world left. We might all have to go and live on Mars or something like that. Mind you, even then, there's going to be somebody up there who doesn't like us. You can just tell, can't you? Um... Excuse me, if anybody ever tells you how much you drink, and if ever you go to the doctor, and I've just had my diabetes test, and uh, we appear to be doing all right, liver function's fine, everything else, and, um, and then people say to you, how much do you drink? Now, 90% of people in a recent survey, which I've just made up myself, uh, tell fibs. They go, how many units do you drink? And my response is, I don't know what a unit is. And they go, well, you know, how many glasses of wine would you drink a day? I said, what, the ones I can remember or the ones I can't remember? And they go, well, how many on average? I said, well, I don't know, two, three glasses? And they go, what, sort of medium, small glasses? I go, tumblers. And they go, what, daily? And you go, yeah, most days, yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean, I I don't use it in cooking. I've always avoided chicken and red wine. I've always thought that was pushing a little bit too far. If you're drinking white wine, mixing it is not so good. And a friend of mine was mixing his drinks the other night on the Saturday, and he had a most dreadful hangover on Sunday. So, of course, I have no sympathy because I tell people, do not mix drinks. And so I'm never too sure what is the right amount of drink to have. And I never know if it is, is. it actually better to drink champagne than it is to drink, say, whiskey or vodka or something. I don't know. I mean, I, I assumed that champagne was, was OK for you because it's just bubbles, basically, isn't it? Very expensive bubbles. I don't know why it varies so much. I told you the other day I bought some Prosecco in Lidl. God, I'll never leave that down. Uh, £5.20, but you can buy a bottle of champagne. I've got a bottle of champagne at home, £150. I'm frightened to open it in case I don't like it. And then you take it back and go, actually, it's not all that, is it, really? Because I couldn't taste the difference. I really, I couldn't taste the difference. If somebody gave me a taste testing on the Lidl's Prosecco, as compared to, say, Marks & Spencer's Prosecco or, or Prosecco I buy in Costco, I, cu- I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. It depends how chilled it is. But it turns out that Pitt the Younger, you may be aware of Pitt the Younger, uh, used to, in Downing Street, for 18 years, for 18 years, down three bottles of port a day. Three, blimey, have you seen port? My accountant likes port, so every year I buy him a bottle of vintage port. Because he's a nice accountant. And uh, we seem to have roughly the same illnesses going along side by side. So he drank three bottles of port a day, and they said it didn't actually seem to do him much good. So they asked the question in the paper today, whether or not booze makes politicians better. It certainly used to make journalists better. Fleet Street had a, a history, a culture of drinking. You could drink in Fleet Street 24 hours a day. Seriously, it was it was so easy. Literally, opposite LBC, there was a, a bar, which uh, which stayed open till seven in the morning. You could you could go there. A lot of the workers used to go there, the print people, <clears throat> and they'd um, sit there boozing all night. You know, it's it was something. So obviously, we have a we have a propensity in this country to to drink, and and people do nurse drinks, don't they? I remember in Emmerdale Farm years ago. They used to have some poor bloke who sat in the uh, in the, uh, in the pub up there, and he never said a word. He was in the series for about ten years. He never said a word. He just sort of there <laughs> had a drink, which people used to. Nowadays, you go into pubs, they don't want you just sitting there nursing a drink for an hour. You're not much used to them. They want you to buy some food. And if you're buying some food, more drink, more drink. You know, and that's what it is. They're, they're looking for the younger people who drink. So you come around any major city in this country, and you'll find the drinking culture I was always told that the French had it better because they learnt to moderate because they drink from an early age, whereas we had ridiculous licensing laws. And consequently, people go, you hear the last order's bell ring and people rush to the bar, you know, um, uh, uh, two two double two double, two double vodkas, you know, quadruple this. Quadru- and, you, and then you have to throw it all back in about 10 minutes. I feel I've got my own back on a pub round the corner here. It was called The Hand and Racket. And it was opposite the multi story car park in Leicester Square. And I remember years ago, about 15 years ago, going in there and having a drink uh, with a couple of friends. And the man served us and then he rung the bell. Last orders. And it seemed within five minutes he's coming around collecting glasses. And he gets to our table. We literally only just sat down and he goes, Drink up, lads. And uh, I went, Well, I've got drinking up time. Well, that was the fatal thing to say. The moment you st- you know, they, they, they treat you in London as if you're a tourist, which of course we're not. And uh, and so I said, well, you know, we we'll just drink it up. So anyway, so we drank up, and all the cha- all the tables are on the, uh, the ta- chairs are on the tables and everything else. Anyway, I'm delighted to say they pulled it down. Now it's kind of justice, poetic justice. Although actually, I'm not delighted to report in another way because that was where people used to meet and write scripts for a lot of the comedy things. Lots of famous people used to meet in the Hand and Racket. Just that the landlord was a complete idiot. <laughs> They always, I mean, I understand what it's like. I've worked in pubs and bars. I know exactly how difficult it can be. The one thing you want to do at the end of the night, isn't it? You want to finish up and you want to sort of go, OK, let's all go home, which is great. 84850, steve dot uk. Uh, still amazed at, um, at how all these groups have, have cancelled working over in in Paris. Diana says, my sister's birthday is on the 28th and mine's the 29th. I was thinking it was doing a Eurostar day trip to Paris or Brussels. Not anymore. You see, one half of me says, OK, the other half of me says, you should go. Brussels is very dreary. Don't, don't bother going to Brussels. <laughs> There's nothing to recommend Brussels at all. I can't think of anything. There's only one, one bit of Brussels that we liked. I like the Eurostar, don't get me wrong. As I say, I, I think Tom Swarbrick's holding a record, I think. They must be on nodding terms with him down at, uh, at Euston. He's back again. Uh, Kevin the Milman says I do hope I fit into the peculiar group. <clears throat> I would think so. I would think so actually. And um uh, Tom in Essex says extremist groups once the minority not anymore. Well, they reckon in this country, they reckon there are what do they said here? There was a, there was a figure that they actually came up with, 450 jihadis in the United Kingdom. And that's that's Presumably, what they know about. 450. That's 450 people with peculiar ideas who've managed to either get into the country or who've been radicalised while they're here. You just, I, I still can't get my head around what would make somebody want to do something like that. Nothing that anybody could ever say to me would ever make me want to do that. You're going to go into a place with strange people, men, women, and children, and you're going to kill them indiscriminately. I mean, plain and simply, I don't call them terrorists. They're murderers. That's all they are. They're not terrorists. You know, they don't sort of fit into any group. <clears throat> they don't seem to have anything in common with anybody apart from this desire to die and to kill other people. I don't I don't see it's got anything to do with religion. I don't think it's got anything at all. It's just a bunch of, uh, of sad people who have no lives, who have no nothing at all. I wonder how they'd feel, actually, you know, if their own... I remember hearing, was it Ian Dale talking to some man... Who, uh, who sort of thought it was OK for ISIS to throw gay people off the top of buildings. And he said, are you a married person? And he said, yes, you've got children. And, and I thought, oh, he's going to ask him, but he didn't. You know, what happens if one of your children turns out to be gay? Would you be pushing them off the top of a building? They're really odd, these people. And yet they all go around holding hands, don't they, together? Which is very strange. 8 for 850, oh, uh, Finally, a good story about weight. A lady in the paper today, she's 22 stone... And she got mauled by this dog. The reason she's alive is because she's 22 stone. If she hadn't been 22 stone, she would have died. But she didn't. Simon Cowell is in the papers today. Uh, His heating packed up in his house. And so he booked into the Mandarin Oriental just to have a bath. How bad is his boiler if it just literally... If Simon Cowell can't get somebody round quickly, what hope for the rest of us? I'm constantly hearing adverts. Don't you, don't you think... Try not to think about it. You know, if the boiler packs up this winter. Oh, God. That's the last thing you want to think about. If you live in a part of the country, it could be Scotland, where it gets very, very cold and pipes freeze. I mean, nowadays, you tend not to get pipes freezing as much, do you? People lag their pipes and... Uh, <clears throat> but you do worry about people getting leaks and things like that. And then calling out the plumber and go, and the plumber goes... Not a lot I can do with that. Is it not just a simple part? Nah, you'll probably need a complete system. Well, well, well how much is that? About uh, between two and four thousand. What? When can you do it? (sighs) Can't fit you in before Easter. Can't do anything then. Very busy at the moment. I wish I'd learnt plumbing at school. They had a guy on The Apprentice who was a plumber. I wished he'd actually stuck with it, because to be honest with you, these people are idiots. You put people in a suit, it doesn't make them any more intelligent. In fact, if anything, in the case of The Apprentice, it makes them even more daft. I mean, some of the things that they were attempting to do and the way that they were going about it, quite clearly, A, they didn't have any command of English... And secondly, nobody had the faintest idea what they were supposed to be doing. So I watch it and I think, they must trawl the sort of, you know, who are the people? They're the people who just want to be on television. They're, they're the show-offs. Uh, Dean says, I think three glasses of wine a day may be too much, especially for a diabetic. I think it depends what you drink, doesn't it? It depends what the sugar content is. Prosecco, apparently, is quite high. <clears throat> but as I say, my, my liver functions are, are perfect. In fact, actually, I'm, I'm delighted to report that I am absolutely Perfect in every way, shape or form. Apart from the throat a little bit this morning, but then we've had that before. Have you noticed every time we get this blasted flu jab, it gets worse and worse and worse. Uh, luckily, not all concerts are cancelled, says Noreen. We're driving to Canterbury to see the last night of a 60s tour. Staying overnight it's quite a way to go. I watched. Was it Susanna Constantine? Parachute? Braver than me. And says here, our Janet finally got home safely from Paris. And I hope everybody else that's stuck out there gets home soon. Lots of cough mixture. Actually, this morning I'm not doing cough mixture. I'm doing, um <clears throat> chloroseptic. Actually, it's a lot better than it was yesterday. A lot better. When I got up this morning, the the indicator of how, of how throaty I can become. Because, you know, if you do a speech radio programme, you're talking for a long time. And sometimes, you know, if you're just doing little links like that, that would be okay. He said, here comes the news, then you stop and then you could have a glass of water. But because you're constantly talking, it probably irritates it. Uh, The bull set a light in the fire festival. France has struck back against ISIS. More bombings. The police and security services accused of a string of appalling blunders over the Paris massacres. Uh, The Home Secretary, Theresa May, promises we will check all the people coming to this country for links to terrorism. We can only hope she's got the manpower to do it. I'm Steve Allen. It's early breakfast. It's LBC. Good morning
0: on Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. It's Monday, the 16th of November. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. France strikes back against ISIS. More bombs and bombing. Police and security services have been accused of a string of appalling blunders over the Paris massacres. The uh, the blood brother family they're looking for at the moment. The death toll has risen. 132 is uh, the latest. There's still another 40 people who are critical. Uh, The Home Secretary, Theresa May, promises we will check all the people coming into this country for links to terrorism. But, of course, they can't manage that at the moment. How they are going to change things? I've got no idea, unless they're taking on more staff. We're told they're going to be taking on more spies to protect the UK. 2,000 people, they've said. Where they come from, God alone knows. And Pat says every time the heating comes on, I breathe a sigh of relief. A new boiler is just under 3,000 pounds. Dear God, that's depressing, isn't it? Small wonder they actually tell you to sort of take out insurance on a boiler. But there again, you need an arm and a leg to do that. Coming up to the the cold spell in this country, how do other people manage? I'm sure they don't. I mean, I don't think I've ever been to Lapland and seen sort of little sort of British gas things whizzing about all over the place. They must have something that is marginally more reliable than what we've got at the moment. Uh, The ABBA piano is up for sale. It's going to make a lot of Fernando. Uh, Play on words there, if you like. Uh, the bull set light in the fire festival. I really don't understand why. And one of the papers has done a two-page spread on Rochelle Humes, uh, who really needs to go for elocution lessons. She can speak generally for about uh, one minute, and then she sort of descends into trucker-speak. And uh, she's got a new clothing range, because we know that all of these people design clothes left, right and centre. It's obviously so easy to do. If somebody like Rochelle Humes can design clothes, I might have a go at it myself. Uh, the celebrity chef's tips in the papers today, how to get crispy roast potatoes, is more likely to give you cancer. Honestly, it's just the kind of thing you don't want to hear coming up to Christmas. 40 years on, is it time for another helping of porridge? And Jeremy Vine gets the boot from Strictly. He said it's, it's probably about time. Yes, I thought day one was probably about time that uh, we, sort of, we sort of clung on to him. And then, strangely enough, uh, over in the jungle, which has been overshadowed, no, no bad thing at all, they brought in a lot of deadbeat celebrities. Well, I say celebrities, a few people who obviously aren't working at the moment. Uh, and, strangely enough, Yorgie Porter, whose brief, obviously, is to try and flirt with somebody of the same mental ability, because that way you'll get coverage in the newspapers, has tried it on with some bloke from Union J. Uh, but, of course, you know it's fake, Because they knew each other, you know, they must have been aware of each other on the outside before they went into the jungle. So why has she not tried before? Presumably, in her desperately sad state of mind, she looks around thinking, I need to latch on to somebody. Everybody else is going to see through me. I need to find somebody who can... Hello, George. And so she's started doing the old thing, of course. He's obviously a bit desperate for the publicity as well, and so we've had to go down that route each time you sort of watch it, you kind of think it's just so predictable, isn't it? So, pre-. And of course, poor old Spencer Matthews, who can't get arrested at the moment. Can't get arrested. They've, uh, they're going to be putting him in there as well. To do what? I can't imagine. He's got nothing in common with anybody. Or mercifully, they've got nothing in common with um, with him. Uh, Esther Ranson launched a phone line for lonely elderly folk. Did she? I knew that uh, I sat at a table with her once. She never said a word to me. <laughs> Never said a word. And we were, at a round, we were at a wedding, and she never said a word. I think the trouble is, I think she's quite grand. I think she's a bit grand. And so consequently, I obviously wasn't on the radar at all. Uh, but I'll tell you who did die the other day, apart from Alf Garnett, who died. Um, Cynthia Payne died the other day. Now, Cynthia Payne might not fit into uh, the radar for many of you. But way back in 1979, Cynthia Payne got arrested she was arrested for running a brothel. She was a madam. Well, so she said she ran a brothel. It was it was all a little bit over-dramatised. And I can I can tell you this because I went out with Cynthia Payne on numerous occasions. Uh, we either met at charity do's. I know, bizarre though it seems. And she was a regular on LBC. She was a good guest. She was sort of a little woman down to earth. And she... How do I put this politely to you this morning? She was a bit like Esther Ranson. R- Esther Ranson. She was looking after the elderly in her in her brothel in Streatham, and she wasn't charging them money, so that's why they thought they could get away with it. Uh, they they paid her in luncheon vouchers, and so they had girls there, and they got paid in luncheon vouchers, which she then exchanged for cash. Anyway, she uh, she got found guilty. And I think she went to prison back in 1980. Anyway, then they had a retrial back in sort of mid-80s, and she was found not guilty. It was all a bit bizarre. Anyway, so then she started doing the rounds, and she, she wrote a book. I think there was a film out called Personal Services with uh, Julie Walters in it. And she was on... Uh, on every, every time we turned on a television programme, there was Cynthia Payne. She died the other day. In fact, yesterday she died at the age of 82 I was never too sure whether or not, you know, everything she said about what went on there was absolutely true. Uh, Personal service... I'm never wrong on these things. It's uncanny, isn't it, really? My my memory recall sometimes gets really good and then other times gets absolutely dreadful. Uh, She did express an interest in becoming an MP in order to change the sex laws. And uh, I think she... She did stand in her own area of Streatham for the Rainbow Dream Ticket, I think, in 92. She didn't gain a parliamentary seat, it has to be said. But she was a character. She was a character. And she, um, as I say, she popped up on LBC with amazing regularity. I think she got 145 votes, whereas whereas Labour got 18,000. So obviously not a lot of people were into personal services. But uh, she was still a character and she died. I didn't even know she was still alive, to be honest with you. I had no idea she was still alive. So when I heard that the other day, I thought, good lord, Cynthia Payne, I can picture her now sitting in reception going, hello, love. She was a bit like that. Bit like that. And, um... Another one here. Have you heard about the snow, says Murray and Hull, coming in next weekend? Well, I, I told you that at the beginning of November. I said the snow is going to be coming in, they said, that's what the Met Office said, um, at the end of this month. Now, whether or not it happens, I don't know. We've had the wind, and by golly, it was very windy, so things got, uh, got blown over. Uh, let's hope we have a peaceful Christmas this year. It would be nice to think, wouldn't it, that uh, there might actually be that immortal line, peace on earth, but I wouldn't hold your breath at the moment. Uh, The Daily Mail this morning, if you've just uh, woken up, pictures of all the people in Paris. They came out, they stood in front of Notre Dame. I've stood there myself, and they had a a night of national mourning they had a service outside there thousands of people uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people standing outside the restaurants with acres of flowers it's uh, it's one of the most touching pictures you'll see and then the the horror which as they say it couldn't have been planned in a month it had to have been planned over a series of months and they've uh, they've gone all the way through from 920 when the football fans escaped i would have thought actually i mean the president was quite close to that they sort of got him out of the stadium fairly quickly but this was a man wearing a suicide belt he was prevented from entering the stadium so he blew himself up um, that was gate j that was at 9 920 at 9:30 10 minutes later a second suicide bomber blew himself up uh, again without the planned murderous effect one terrorist dead On that one, the only person who died at 9.20 was the person who blew himself up. At (coughs) 9.53, the sixth suicide bomber kills himself again, failing to achieve his aims. They weren't doing particularly well. One terrorist dead. 10.15, president hustled out by the secret servicemen. Going back to 9.25, over in the Rue Albert, uh, the gunman pulls up in a a black SEAT car at 9.25, crosses the road... To the restaurant le petit Cambodge. a hail of more than a hundred bullets fired fifteen people killed there, ten severely injured uh, and so it went on at nine thirty two in a in a cafe and uh, La Casa nostra pizzeria the, drummer, the gunman dressed up in uh, black pulled up in a Saet, opening fire again uh, with chilling calmness. Five people killed eight severely injured nine thirty six at uh, la belle équipe. The gunman arrived and the same car opened fire on the Friday night diners on the terrace and drove off. Nineteen people killed there, nine severely injured. At 9.40, the restaurant Le Comptoir Voltaire, three third suicide bombers there, killed himself again, failing to slaughter the Parisians. So one terrorist dead and one person injured. Between 9.40 and 12.20 in the most horrific carnage of the whole night. Three gunmen arrived in a black VW polo. They fire at nearby cafes, then attack inside the venue, shooting into the crowd and taking hostages. They force people to lie on the floor. They execute them one by one, including those in wheelchairs. Police retake the theatre, killing one terrorist. The other two blow themselves up. Three terrorists dead. 89 people died there. Hundreds were injured. Uh, The woman you've seen on the television hanging... From uh, from the second floor by her fingertips, she was pulled back in again, and the gunmen were shooting victims as they tried to escape into the street beside the concert. They detonated their suicide vests as the police stormed the venue. They have no, they have no, uh, no worries about dying at all. No, no worry whatsoever you'd think actually you know you'd be sort of thinking maybe that wouldn't be the best thing to do, but they really don 't care. they really don't care and so uh, when the police finally got in, they were asking people to wave their hands if they were still alive so they could find out exactly. Exactly, how many people were alive and how many people died? So the total now, about 132, I think, is the latest, which is 132 too many. But it's the pictures of all the people standing silently outside the uh, the restaurant, with all the sea of flowers and the little candles there, and people showing solidarity. And then Twitter, uh, the people who've lost their lives, they've uh, put pictures up, and they're people from all over the world. They're not French. Many of them are not French. They're sort of... They, they come from just about everywhere. Just about everywhere in the world. So they didn't know what they were shooting at. They didn't really care, actually. They really didn't care. I mean, this is the most ruthless death cult, uh, death cult in history. I can't think of anybody else who was probably as bad. And, and they don't seem to mind. So, you know, most of them die, except one who's, who's disappeared, but will be found probably pretty soon. It'll be a shootout. And, uh, and are there more to take their place? Absolutely. More to take their place? That's why we're hoping, Theresa May, when she says we will be checking those coming in from Syria, I hope she means we will be checking those coming in from Syria. You know, if we've got 450 jihadis on the loose in the UK already, according to the Daily Express, I don't think we want 451, or worse, even more. Quarter past five. Freight 50, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Boris Johnson actually makes the paper today. He's, uh, he's saying, give the Commons the right to veto EU laws. This is a, in a challenge, to David Cameron, the Mayor of uh, London said Parliament should be given power to block or overturn EU regulations and directives with which it disagrees. So no doubt they'll be talking about that. 1,000 people sign up each week uh, as the right to buy booms again. This is Housing Association tenants. And uh, the government's promising to put in 50 quid for every £200 saved in a help to buy ISA, up to a maximum of £3,000. It's always certain people, isn't it, that you sort of think, well, why don't I qualify for that? I don't I qualify for that? Uh, Doctors are handing out more, and even though they can't beat new infections, new antibiotic alert. I had uh, two different antibiotics in the space of two weeks. Uh, One which didn't seem to do anything at all. And and then there was another thing. What was I reading the other day? They were talking about um, alternative medicine. Now, LBC over the years has been a bit of a pioneer with alternative medicine, with uh, Michael Van Stratton, who had, uh, I think, one of the most successful programmes on alternative medicine you'd ever hear. I mean, sackfuls of mail every week. Sackfuls of mail used to come into LBC. And uh, Michael, who's, uh, I think, retired and living in France at the moment, uh, was one of the most popular people. He popped up on television. He became known as uh, Dr. Garlic. That's not medical qualified doctor garlic but that was just the name that they gave him he swore by garlic for everything and um and a quite charming guy but a lovely voice on the radio lovely voice on the radio but they're now thinking of sort of dumbing down with alternative medicine they're saying most of the stuff uh is it's just placebos isn't it they said they're like sugar pills and the news that the the nhs might ban homeopathic prescriptions i didn't even know they did them I had No idea that they did homeopathy. I thought you could go side by side with them. I thought you could have things that—that's why they were called complementary medicine. People, people like things. Somebody was telling me the other day that Nick Abbott had this, this sort of throaty infection, and uh, he took a day off. And people, because people write in with all sorts of things. You know, drink, you know this, and uh, rub this embrocation on. I went in the other day. I have to be honest. I hold my hands up. My normal chemist was not open on Sunday, which is a shame, because I I always like to uh, be loyal to them. But I was so desperate for some cough mixture. But the cough mixture I wanted uh, is called, uh, I think it's uh, Robert Usin. Robert Usin or something like that. Anyway, whatever it is, it's sugar-free. And being diabetic, you have to have sugar-free. So I go to Boots. It's the only chemist I could find open in Twickenham. And said, uh, can I have some uh, sugar-free for tickly coughs? They didn't have any. And have any sugar-free medicine at all, which seemed a bit of a pointless exercise. I thought you're supposed to be a chemist. You know, when you go into a chemist, I'm expecting it to have things. And they always go, oh, no, we haven't got it at the moment. You think, well, wh- where's your ordering falling down? Surely, you know, as in with any good thing, it's like going into somewhere and they, and they say, have you got this? And they go, no, we haven't. It's sold out. Well, why didn't you order more when it was, you know, when you were selling it? I mean, surely it must come up on a computer somewhere. So anyway, so I had to go home without. I've literally got about half an inch. I think about... Yeah, half an inch of this uh, this cough me- medicine left, which will see me through quite nicely this morning. And I shall go and get some more today. But it's it's this weather we've sort of gone from cold to sort of mild and then windy, and it's it's just and we, I don't know what clothes to wear. Seriously, I mean, I am a bit like Ab Fab. I feel like opening the wardrobe and going, hmm I am trying to find something that way because you don't know. I don't know whether to put a vest on, I don't know whether to put a big thick shirt on, a t shirt, and I've got no idea. So, just going back to the uh, to these uh, antibiotics. Apparently, it's, it's now over 25 years since we saw a new strain of antibiotic. Because I think as fast as these things are brought out, the body learns to, how, to, how to overcome them. So I've had, I had two lots, and that was for the sinusitis. But it uh, was really some people say, I mean, a, a friend of mine at the moment, we're trying to persuade him to go to the doctor. His wife can't persuade him to go to the doctor. He won't go to the doctor. Men do not go to the doctor's. They just don't... They don't want to know what's the matter with them in case they find out something awful. And this is something that, you know, could be treated quite easily, but because it's, it's of a personal nature, he doesn't want to go. And if you like say, oh, just go to the doctor, for goodness sake, make it, make it easier. Uh, who would say this? Who would say this? You can always tell a true white man he turns pink in the sun, not brown. This went out on the television. These are the sayings of Chairman Alf, although Alf Garnett... The man here, the biggest joke of it all, Warren Mitchell, hated bigotry. Silly Moo, he said. Silly Moo. It was supposed to be Silly Mare, but he fluffed the line, and so Silly Moo stayed in. And he says here, uh, one of them, he says, uh, <laughs> I can't. Actually, half of them you can't even re- you can't even repeat them on this program at this time of the morning, even at any time of the day. You cannot repeat it. How they even got away with it? I've got no idea, no idea. I mean, on one of no, I can't read any of them they're absolutely impossible to read out there's an offensive line in just about everything i mean some of them are just so offensive and yet people sat down and watched i think because he sort of represented you know all all the bigotry and the hatred that was in certain people and we we would sit there going Phew, i don't know anybody like that and you go i mean he was so sort of patriotic he'd sit there you know waving his little flag and talking about ermage uh, and all this kind of thing and yet at the at the heart of it he was uh, I think he was a Labour supporter, wasn't he? Was he Labour or would he have been Conservative? I can't even tell you what he was now. I remember watching it thinking, my God, Johnny Spate's pushed the, pushed the boat out on this. But then a lot of those TV shows, I mean, I'm, I'm quite sure if you actually sit down and analyse most things, there'll be something offensive to somebody in there. Somebody was complaining the other day about Desmond's, which they brought back onto uh, London Live, which I thought was a really good series, a really good series with uh, Norman Baton Norman, um, Norman, him. And, uh, and I thought it was brilliant, and somebody said, no, it was a little bit patronising. But I didn't think it was, actually. I thought out of all the programmes that featured a predominantly black cast, I thought it was brilliant. What was his name? It was Norman Dayton. Was it Norman? Oh, right. How do you spell Baton? Oh, Norman Beaton, sorry. Norman Beaton, honestly, you've got me at it now. Norman Beaton, yeah. I mean, I remember when he died. I remember going to see him in Black Mikado, which was brilliant. Again, he he had a parallel career. He was a Calypso singer. And again, turned, uh, turned up at LBC. He was, he was really good. Unfortunately, had a little bit of a, bit of a drink problem, which I think was occupational hazard in those days. But I thought he was great, absolutely great. And he turned up, he was in uh, Shakespeare's The Tempest. He did an autobiography as well. He turned up as well, a very small role in Up the Chastity Belt with Frankie Howard. There was another one who popped into LBC. They just, the, the, the people you'd see, it's like being here. You go into the reception in the middle of the day, it's like a who's who of who's in the who's in the world at the moment. Uh, Porridge, not the uh, not the breakfast cereal, but uh, the television programme set in a prison, in Slade prison. They say it could return to the TV screens. Uh, all of the stars are now dead, of course, uh, because we had uh, Miss, Mr. Barraclough, Mr. Mackay, and Fulton Mackay was Mr. Was Mr. Mackay. And uh, Lenny Godper, played by Richard Beckinsale, who died very young. He was only in his 30s, I think. Only in his 30s. But they now say um, that they could actually bring it back. Uh, this one-off instalment uh, comes from the show's original writers, Dick Clement and Ian LaFrenet. 1977, it used to get up to 15 million people watching. I mean, it won't now because of the, of the dilution. Apparently, this is part of a, a landmark sitcom season, uh, which could be uh, going out. I think that after they finished that, they did a series, I'm pretty certain, called Going Straight. And this is about Fletcher's life after returning uh, outside of the prison. But I was amazed how they managed to get some there was some really good people turned up in it, including, of course, uh, the bloke who went into Only Fools and Horses. David Jason popped up in that, and they weren't sure whether they were going to uh, to give him the role. Nicholas Lyndhurst turned up as well. Patricia Brake was in it. I mean, it, it was quite a, quite a car, directed by a guy called Sidney Lotterby. You'll see his name popping up all over the, uh, the television. Um, and it ran, I think the original release was 1978. Uh, and then they had Life Beyond the Box, Norman Stanley Fletcher. It was, I mean, when you look at all the different episodes, probably all out on DVD, I should imagine, all this stuff is now. The theme tune was sung by Ronnie Barker. It's amazing, isn't it? When you look at some of this stuff, it was it was brilliant. But pr- you'll probably find on, on close analysis, we we might not like it. We might not like it. Yes, they've done the remake of Open Normal. I didn't see that. And I'd, I quite liked Open Normal. Was it not good? Was that David Jason as an older person now? He now runs the shop. OK. I still like David Jason. I think he'd be a very good for in conversation. Uh, for ladies listening at the moment who are just waking up, have a look in the mirror. Did you leave your makeup on last night? Apparently, if you sleep in your makeup, it's good for your skin. Now how many times have you not heard that? Mainly the advice that you hear from all the programs is cleanse at night, take all your makeup off and then sleep basically. But apparently leaving the makeup on is quite a good idea. So there you go. You can you can change your sleeping
0: habits. Get to see of LBC. It's 5:30. Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Twenty-five minutes to six. Welcome to Monday morning. What a depressing weekend it's been. What a depressing few days. And the papers uh, are still leading on uh, the fact that now the death toll has risen, which you've heard on LBC. It was uh, too late for that to hit the papers today. The mistakes that they made over in Paris—they actually did question one of the people that they think was involved with it, and then let him go, and then let him go afterwards. Mind you, you know we, we we can hold our hands up to that one on numerous occasions, can't we? And so the man they're looking for is Saleh uh, Abdeslam, Abdeslam. And uh, he's part of a family as well that they're looking for as well. And uh, um, um, one of the bombers was waved into Europe posing as a Syrian refugee. They found the passport. It was a fake passport. And he was waved into Europe. Quite clearly, these border controls are more lax than you can ever imagine. And as we said at the beginning of the programme... You know, when, when can they strike? The answer is any time they like. France have now retaliated. They bombed a jihadi, what do they call it, a jihadi training camp? Are there signs up saying this way to the jihadi training camp? Because, I mean, I'm assuming that people go there and they're trained in jihadi ways. I'm only guessing because I've got no idea at all. And then they're sort of sent out across the world uh, waiting for somebody to say, right, I think we'll do something this weekend. That's a, a, the way it seems to appear. and And yet... You know, the French intelligence only had a couple of people on their radar, and yet didn't seem... I mean, one of them they knew was radicalised, yet they didn't seem to do anything about that at all. Thank you for pointing out that Christopher Biggid's was in Porridge as lukewarm. Yeah, he didn't feature in every uh, in every episode. That's why I was saying the main characters, the main characters in it uh, are all dead. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, another one here. <coughs> from somebody saying, do you think the public will like the new Dad's Army movie? I don't know, I've read mixed reviews on Dad's Army's movie. I, I don't think you can improve on Perfection, and I thought that Dad's Army was the nearest thing to uh, to perfection, with the little bits of uh, racism on there. Uh, Steve, you said that makeup left on a, on overnight was a good idea. Does the article say why? No, they just think they think it protects your skin. They think it protects your skin, whereas in fact, if you cleanse your skin. So I was always told. If you cleanse your skin, that means you're then more and more susceptible to getting things. They used to sell years ago for boys, clearasil. And it was sold specifically for boys who were sort of prone to getting spots and things like that. But, of course, all it did was it made your skin... And they, and they did a test on the television. And I think the first time boys went out and bought clearasil, you put it on a, on a, a piece of uh, cotton wool, you wiped it, you go, my goodness me, look at, look at the colour of that! filth dirt everything you suddenly realize that if you work in a big city or you work you just get dirty it's like wearing a white shirt every day look at the collars by the time you get home and you think to yourself what on earth has been going on and the answer is we just get dirty so they're saying basically leave your makeup on and that way it'll protect you take it off in the morning and then reapply but leave it on overnight seems to make perfect sense i suppose i mean could anybody actually be bothered by that Uh, Amazing the amount of people who are, (coughs) excuse me, talking about uh, Biggins. He'll be doing his pantomime this year. Uh, Another one here from uh, Paul. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, another one. Uh, Nicholas Lindhurst appeared in Going Straight. David Jason played Blanco in Porridge. Uh, Yeah, he, um, it was that, it was watching him in that that gave him, I think, um, only Fools and Horses. They weren't sure about it. They didn't think he was a big enough star. So I think they actually tried him out in uh, in in porridge, and then uh, and then it, it kind of just took off. Actually, uh, Trelawney and Guinevere says the the French household has been smitten with nasty colds and sore throats. It's a pain. It really is. I'm just going to have a quick slurp of water. So bear with me one sec. There's something appealing about water. We suddenly realise we take it for granted. I was having a long chat. Who was having a chat with the other day? We were doing an in conversation, and we were talking about. Uh, living abroad, where when we lived in Hong Kong, you couldn't drink out of the tap, you had to boil the water. So you would fill up the saucepan and you'd put it on the stove and you'd boil up the water and wait till it cooled down, then you could have the water. And when we came back to this country, I couldn't quite get used to the fact that you could actually turn on the tap and drink the water out of it. All very odd. The other uh, story in the paper today is the family of four killed in a, a light aircraft. The cockpit was torn off in this horror smash, we think it's, we're pretty much uh, uh, certain now that it's a man and woman in their mid-50s, a woman aged 23 and a man of 20, believed to be their children, who all died, one one complete family. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in a light aircraft, but when you get winds and you get light aircraft, you get buffeted around. I went in a a little two-seater, years ago, about 15, 20 years ago, and we were flying into South End Airport and we hit turbulence. And you notice turbulence when you're flying in some of the big airliners nowadays. You can imagine what it's like in one of these little tiny aircraft. I mean, we were literally being tossed around like a piece of tissue paper. We were watching in Regent's Park the other day uh, t- at a seagull attempting to land on a tree and missing it each time because the wind just took it. In fact, it didn't even need to flap its wings. It was just sort of... It was taken. So this uh, this plane came down... And there's uh, there's a full investigation now with the air accident investigation bureau. Uh, more on the um, the celebrities who gave their time the other day before they did their their concerts. They stood in silence in memory of those who lost their lives in Paris. Uh, on the front of the metro this morning, they've got France striking back against ISIS. Uh, ten jets blitz the jihadi stronghold. So they know where these places are. And and you think, so now they're doing it now. This uh, 10 jets have dropped 20 bombs, hitting a munitions depot, uh, a command centre and a jihadi training camp. Uh, the story of the, the people who hid away in cellars as their killers prowl just feet away I mean, is nothing short of a miracle. Uh, one of the gunmen had been rescued from the Mediterranean. He'd come in pretending to be a refugee. And now they say security in the UK is going to be beefed up. In the wake of the massacre, you see, I thought it should have been beefed up all the time. I think that we should always be on this on this heightened alert because it's a, it's a threat out there. They're not exactly sitting down in ISIS making Christmas decorations, are they? They're sort of they're planning the next atrocities. But uh, two British survivors of the Paris attack told how they hid in a cellar for three hours as gunmen roamed the building. Uh, they were in Paris. For a 35th birthday, they were standing near the front of the stage when the shooting began. Because what they did, they just went in there and separated. I think a hundred people, made them lie down and and just and just systematically went through killing them. And that's uh, that's why it was just so dreadful. It was just there's no need for it at all. But then that's why, as they were saying the other day, you have to ask yourself the question. Could you ever sit round a table with them and what, I mean, who is leading ISIS? Is there one person who leads ISIS? Is the one person that you would deal with, like, you know, the prime minister of this country or the president of America or the prime minister of France? I mean, in ISIS, is it a case of lots and lots of different people or is it just one person? You know, was Jihadi John anything to do with it? Was he just uh, one, of their, uh, one of their executioners? 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. Just come in. Uh, border controls are are indeed a joke. Flew from London to Amsterdam last night. Passport not checked in the UK. And um, another one here. It says, uh, "Oh, on Sunday, apparently." Sue says the Maple Leaf Pharmacy on Twickenham Green is open. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much indeed for that uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk the other story which, which re- re-emerged in the paper today actually was in fact it was, uh, it was two days old the homeless moved on by somebody playing the bagpipes remember we did this story, we didn't actually get round to it and this is council bosses and police have ordered a, a Scottish instrument to be piped out to tackle the growing number of rough sleepers the music's being blared through the station's public address system. This is at a bus station in, uh, in Bournemouth, from midnight to 6.30. Now, Bournemouth has a huge problem with uh, economic migrants and drug users, so much so that all, all the public lavatories have changed all their lighting to blue. When you walk in, you sort of the first time you see it, you sort of think earth is going on here and of course it's to make them uh, not find the veins in their arm Uh, a dozen homeless people were sleeping near the toilet sparking complaints of antisocial behaviour mainly because they were drunk Uh, traders reported that the rough sleepers were hurling abuse at women and uh, so they they bring in a bagpiper to play it and hopefully they go somewhere else but it it doesn't solve the problem it doesn't solve the problem it just means it'll move on to somewhere else there is one main ISIS leader Is is this Abu Bakr Right, uh, al-Baghdadi. Uh, Various rumours he's been killed by a drone, though. I'd, I'd heard the rumours he'd been killed by a drone. But they have to wait for confirmation, don't they, of things like that. So that would be it. But, I mean, would these people actually be sitting round a table? As I say, it's, you know, we, we don't actually know what they want. We have no idea. I don't think they know what they want either. Uh, more on uh, Britain's fleeing homes in flood hell. They've said that it's uh, it's 1,500 homes that are at risk of flooding. But uh, then they've said the the weather isn't as bad as they thought it was going to be up north. So uh, they're sort of waiting. They've said the next bad thing that we're going to get is going to be um, snow. And, of course, once that melts, then the rivers will rise again. Uh, another one here. This is... Oh, Seal and Heidi. Do you remember Heidi, Clum and Seal? Apparently in their marriage together, she only cooked him one meal. Only one meal. I'm assuming she can't cook. I wasn't actually... Uh, I wasn't actually sure, really, whether or not that was uh, of worthy inclusion in the newspapers today, but they seem to think so.
0: Uh, let's take a short break, shall we? Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Over at 6.30 this morning. Lisa Riziz here with the Morning News Different programme. Today, it will be uh, with Tom Swarbrick in Paris and Lisa here in London. I so he's Whizzing backwards and forwards on uh, Eurostar. he was here yesterday for his program now he 'll be back uh, over there in paris and he 'll be uh, with us this morning at six thirty. The story I brought you some weeks ago we 've had some weeks ago now about a, a high profile actor in America who is hiv positive and who they claimed had infected a number of people. well one of the people who was his ex and uh, there are names banded around on the internet uh, has urged him to come forward so other women can get tested. Uh, pressure is mounting on this womaniser to reveal himself amid fears that hundreds of his sexual conquests could also be infected. I mean, it's a story that's been that's been sort of lurking around for a little bit. And uh, all of a sudden now, it's it started uh, to be talked about a little bit more. I shouldn't imagine it'll be too long before they start actually putting the person's name in the paper. There's also Kelly Maloney in the paper today. Apparently, uh, sex swap boxing promoter Kelly would have killed herself had she not become a woman. Here, her daughter, Emma, says it was a choice between her dad in a dress or dad in a coffin. She said she was devastated when she first heard the news but has now accepted her dad's new life. Uh, what Kelly Maloney does now, I've got no idea. I don't, I don't know whether or not she's uh, still boxing promoting uh, or whether she's... We think she's still boxing promoting. It must be a bit of a difficult thing to accept in the sort of, the terribly macho world of uh, boxing. But apparently they say... Um, the worst thing was seeing uh, dad, now mum, almost die during a botched operation in Belgium. But uh, Kelly Maloney said uh, her daughter had been a rock. It's funny now, isn't it? We bandied this word about star. They say the celebrity big brother star. She's not a star at all. She's just a boxing promoter. You don't become a star if you're a boxing promoter. It's no good at all, is it, Really? Uh, The other stories which are trending in the papers today is about crispy roast potatoes. It seems a ridiculous one, but apparently this isn't just putting them in the oven, but some celebrity chefs' ideas of making your potatoes crisp. And we've obviously got a thing about it in this country, because I saw an advert on the television yesterday, and it was for, for just crispy roast potatoes like your mother used to make. And um, and I thought isn't it interesting nowadays? At one time you just have, you know you didn't actually have these things ready made. You just went out and bought potatoes, cut them in half, blanched them, and then you put them in the oven and you kept basting them every so often. Now you can actually buy them covered in something that makes them go crispy. And what they're saying is that some of the coatings on these things uh, uh, could could in inverted commas uh, give you cancer. So there's something else to worry about as we head into the festive season. Uh, The other story is that uh, Helen Mirren was out on the red carpet again. She loves the attention. Far from, you know, all this, oh, no, I'm not beautiful and I'm not attractive. I mean, she knows it's a fib. She knows it's a fib because every time she goes out there, she poses like there's no tomorrow. I don't think anybody could actually uh, pose as much as... uh, as she can, but, uh, you know, while she's still got breath in her body, I suppose, it'll be good for her. I do love the story of the flower girl. I'll bring you this one. She was supposed to hand over a, a bouquet to a well-known person, and she decided she didn't want to. She decided she wanted to keep it. So you have to train little girls. You go, OK, and you curtsy, and you give them the flowers. So she hands the flowers over, but she won't let go. She's <laughs> clinging on for grim death to these flowers, thinking, you're not having them. And, uh, and they go let 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 go of the flowers, little girl. She's only tidy. She's only about three or four years old, but uh, she's she's not letting them go for love nor money, which is uh, just something that brought a smile to my face this morning. There's not much in the papers to, uh, to oh I don't know Kylie decorating a Christmas tree could be something that could bring a smile to people's faces, um, and there's also. Um uh, Nicola. This is Nicola Sturgeon, who admitted she finds it hurtful to be asked why she doesn't have children. The trouble is, once you become a public figure, people ask you just about everything, don't they? You've got no, uh, you've got no secrets, no nothing at all. They just want to know about everything. What goes on in your life? Uh, Vine's final dance, he's in the papers today, saying that uh, I stayed longer than I should have done. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think most of us would actually agree. And uh, from The X Factor, Monica and Max getting the boot in a double elimination. Wasn't there some sort of cock-up over this? Wasn't it announced before they'd actually done it? Didn't, didn't Olly Mers announced it wrong or something? I don't know, really, and I suppose we might actually have to accept that Dermot O'Dreary wasn't as bad as we thought he was in the, in the first place. I love the pictures of people, which they always do in the Metro every day, who are caught on camera in town wearing what they call fashion. I don't bear any resemblance to any of these people. Honestly, I mean, fashion and me have bypassed completely. It's all got a bit pear-shaped. In Twickenham, we've got a hairdresser's, which seems to have a men's clothing outlet attached to it, with a door through between the two. Very odd. I might have to investigate that one. Uh, the lady who, um, who was trying to give me the flowers was Camilla Parker Bowles. And, uh, and the little girl is Elizabeth Colquhoun. She, she decided she wanted it back. So handed it and then, you know, give it, give it back. Like watching a ventriloquist act, the sort of thing that Paul Zerdin would do when he's got his sort of baby doll on there. Read me story, read me story, read me story! A bit like that. This little girl, she obviously decided, even when um, even when Camilla stood up with the flowers, you could see her there, give me the flowers back, I'll kick you in the ankles. Didn't get them back, incidentally. Uh, Band, having ginger hair in school. Apparently, um Owen Taylor uh, uh, uh this is why I thought you can't ban somebody for being ginger in school. He dyed his hair. He dyed his hair and it became reddish pink. Slightly peculiar. Schools have standards now and uh, and they've said here he's a sixth form student. He was sent home by uh, by teachers from Ivy Bridge Community College in Devon, because of his extreme new do, the school has told him he can come back when his hair needs or uh, sort of meets the published requirements. You do see this i 'm very surprised we haven 't got a picture of his parents sort of you know, storming the school gates. You generally get that in cases like this where they go why can 't he sort of dye his hair because the school have rules you know when you go into a place of work, there are rules he 's been suspended for a similar he 's obviously not bright is he? he 's been suspended before when he dyed his hair blue now he 's dyed it this sort of pinky color. And so he was suspended again. Owen's stepdad, here we go, Steve Casey, claimed there's no rule stopping him from dyeing his hair. I don't think it's an extreme colour, says Mr Casey. Well, it's got nothing to do with you. Mind your own business. OK, the schools say it has, and so they'll suspend him. He can go back when it's all grown out, and that'll be fine. But, uh, you know, he thought he would have learnt first time round, but obviously he's not the brightest penny in the box. So, consequently, you know, they've suspended him again. (laughs) Does seem a bit daft, doesn't it? Uh, Somebody's pointed out... Uh, wouldn't Heidi Klum and Seal have people cook for them? No. No. I mean, pe- people... I mean, you know, don't don't assume that, you know, because they're probably terribly rich, that they have people. I think he was sort of complaining about the fact that as a wife, I think he probably expected... God, that's going to get me into trouble. Uh, that she would cook for him. But I think you have to accept the fact nowadays that, you know, lots of people can't cook. They don't. They don't want to cook. I mean, I can't cook. I can reheat. I can't cook anything. You know, I should imagine it must be an absolute godsend... If you if you're Fern Fern Britain and you've got a husband who, who cooks, I mean that must be the uh, that must be the best thing going, mustn't it? Every day, I mean, imagine if you're married to say Jamie Oliver, that must be even better. You've got sort of people there, you know. Jamie, I mean, should not imagine the wife's ever cooked anything in her life, and not that she needs to. I quite like the idea that uh, that somebody will actually go into the kitchen and cook something and sort of create it. Imagine if you've got sort of Phil Vickery living with you, and he goes, "I'll just go and make a pie or something in the kitchen, or you know, beans on anything." Anything beans on toast, I'd be quite happy with. But uh, but most people cannot cook, and you don't have to now. The supermarkets make it just so easy, so, so easy for you to go out there and create what they think are sort of gourmet meals, and all you've done is just sort of pop it either into the oven or into a frying pan or stuck it in the... uh, in the uh, in the microwave, much much easier. Other stories in the uh, the papers today. There is this story of the uh, the 22 stone mum and her horror mauling because she was overweight. She was saved from a a fate worse than death because it could have been awful. And um, Princess Diana's ex-lover Major James Hewitt uh, sent a nude selfie to a woman. What is it with people doing this nowadays? This is somebody he met uh, online. He's 57. He fired off a string of uh, explicit snaps, as well as um, slightly stronger versions of it as well, and uh, and then carried on. Uh, she said, our virtual relationship was extremely hardcore, and he wasn't shy in coming out with it. And then obviously she decided to go to the newspapers and say, <coughs> excuse me, look who I've been getting pictures of. Bit of an odd one, isn't it, really? I thought by now he'd have grown up just a little bit. I was defending him the other day over the Diana letters and cards and things like that. Uh, more, in the, uh, more in the papers about the jihadis back in the UK. But has a single passport been seized? That's the question that they're asking uh, of uh, Theresa May. She said that terrorism would be defeated. I really don't think it's, it's absolutely as clear-cut as that. I think it's far more complicated. We can't defeat something we know so little about. Uh, also, the English fans uh, singing La Marseilles out there. There's also My Affair shame by a Minister... Cameron's, who Cameron's aide tried to blackmail. Uh, this is a, a story that you can't believe in the paper with one man who says he wished he hasn't had an affair behind his fiance's back. And I'll read you more on that a little bit later. And the celebrity chefs. Our idea of having crunchy roast potatoes. We like crunchy roast potatoes. That's the only thing that we crave nowadays. But they say that uh, the Sunday roast exposes them to the chemical... Acrylamide, which is also found in tobacco smoke. Lots of well-known TV chefs say parboil before draining and then shaking them in the pan. This fluffs up the outside, creating more edges which catch the hot, hot fat. Well, that's exactly how we used to do our roast potatoes. I have to hold my hand up and say my mother would sort of cut the roast potatoes. She'd peel, cut them, wash them parboil them, and then, after you parboil, you dry them, you shake them round in the colander, and then you put them in the hot fat, and apparently that's bad. It's the way we used to get uh, crunchy roast potatoes. Papers this morning, on Monday the 16th of November, France striking back against ISIS. They've dropped 20 bombs that since this atrocity was first reported. The police and the security services accused of a string of appalling blunders over the massacre. Theresa May promising we will check all the people coming to this country for links to terrorism. What about the people here who've got links to terrorism? Uh, the new antibiotic alert. The flood fears for only 1,500, but it's 1,500 too many. And uh, the British Christmas toy rip-off. Apparently it's cheaper to go to America to buy your Christmas toys.
0: Or a market, I should imagine. It's LBC. Good morning. On FM, online, Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's five past six.
1: It's Monday, the 16th of November. The coverage in the newspapers, I think, is almost more than yesterday as more is uh, unraveled over in France. The people that they're looking for now, they've got pictures on the front of, I think, just about every single one of our papers this morning of the man they're looking for. The attacker was in police clutches, but then they let him go. Now he's disappeared. France has struck back against ISIS in Syria. They've sent 20 bombs uh, to destroy a jihadi training camp and a few other places as well. Theresa May says, we will check everybody coming into this country for links to terrorism. I asked the question, what about the people who are here already with the links to terrorism? As we're told, there are 400 jihadis already in the UK. How many more can we take? The new antibiotic alert... The flood fear, the uh, it's only gets, gets worse, this uh, weather. The next thing they say you've got to expect is uh, is snow. The ABBA piano, in other news, which is going to make a lot of Fernando, because it's the one that they compose a lot of things on. And Simon Cowell is so rich that when his boiler breaks, he goes to the Mandarin Oriental and books in just to have a bath. Seems fair enough. Oh, that we should all be allowed to do things like that. We'll go through the uh, the front pages of the papers. we we'll take all your uh, texts and emails. Uh, over in... Uh, in Banbridge, Dennis says, I had no idea. Blue lights in toilet. Totally different use than I thought. Yes, it's there. They're, they're really quite bright, blue lights. They're not just uh, things that uh, kill bacteria. These are, to, these are to stop people finding their veins. People who are going to inject for junkies. I'd, I'd never seen it before. But apparently it's there. They have it in some club toilets as well. It's to deter people. So uh, So now you know... He says, um, <laughs> I doubt it would really put people off. Well, it, it 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 does, I suppose. It does. They don't have a particular problem down in Bournemouth. It probably goes on around the, the rest of the country. Uh, Gabrielle says, what do you think about arming the police? Um, well, I was speaking to some police officers this morning about this. I don't think they're wildly keen on it. And then Theresa May was only saying, as we've reported on LBC four days ago, that they're thinking of cutting back. Then, of course, we get this atrocity. Now, all of a sudden, she's gone very quiet on it. Now she's going to be sort of, you know, putting things in place. Where they are getting the staff from? I've got no idea. It's exactly what you want to hear come an election, isn't it? We're going to be doing this. We're going to be doing more of that. Is that going to happen? No. I always remember years ago, the sports minister in this country, Tony Banks, and I, I brought him in for an interview. We were talking about, you know, how fantastic it must be to be sports minister. He said, I've got no power at all. He said, the clubs run themselves. He said, you can't do anything. Absolutely nothing at all. And I think it's exactly the same. I think Theresa May wants to make some sort of impact. But, you know, making cuts in the police force is not the way forward. If anything, we want more people. Now they've actually told us, the Prime Minister has said, they're going to have 2,000 extra spies to protect the UK. 2,000 extra spies. Uh, Breaking news is just literally coming in at the moment. Police have uh, launched dawn raids in cities across the country, in France, including Toulouse and Grenoble, to try and find the uh, the suspects. They're looking for three people at the moment, one of whom they actually had, uh, and then they let him go. As I say, we've been guilty of these blunders before. But they've now launched dawn raids. Uh, I should imagine no stone will be left unturned. Not exactly the biggest place, France. You can't, you know, unlike here, where you could hide out for years and years. In France, it's fairly well spread out. And when you look at the... Uh, at the uh, Sort of geography of, of the country, Toulouse and Grenoble. Grenoble will be the last place you'd be expecting to find somebody, but I bet you anything, that's what they're uh, they're looking at at the moment. So five different locations. At the moment, no doubt Tom Swarbrick will have an update on that a little bit uh, later on. It's also the dreadful story about the the bull set alight in some fire festival. I don't know why they do this. I've never quite understood the bull run in Pamplona. And I understand uh, setting fire to bulls even less. Uh, So Gabrielle saying, it's not a good idea, too expensive to arm police. Go to other countries. They're all fully armed. You go to the streets of Paris, they've always been armed. Always been armed. That's why the armed response unit was there very quickly. In this case... You know, we couldn't bring the army in. We'd have to get an act of parliament before we could do that. Uh, changing the subject completely, Winnie, over in uh, Valencia, is in bed recovering. She did a marathon the other day. Tough in the heat, but I managed to finish in four hours, 24 minutes. So uh, that was nice. Actually managed to uh, try a local drink of Agua de Valencia, which is kind of orange juice, carver, vodka and gin. absolute lethal thing. Sounds wonderful at this time of the morning, but I'm not too sure I'd be, uh, I'd be indulging myself. Uh, Steve, I bought the Star Wars toy f- in Florida, twenty-seven pounds. In this country, forty. Somebody, somebody had pointed out to me uh, that it would uh, it would be cheaper to fly to America to buy your toys and fly back again than it would to buy that. You'd have to be buying an awful lot of toys, wouldn't you? I would think. But people have done that before, just not to disappoint the little. The little ones who've set their hearts on having Star Wars or Lego things and you, can, you can't get them here. All people need to do is when we tell you on LBC, these are the must-have toys at Christmas, that will be the time to go out and buy them. If you really believe that you can leave it till Christmas Eve and expect to find them on the shelves, think again. You know, and then people, you watch, there'll be people standing outside, Toys R Us on Christmas Eve going, oh, it's absolutely outrageous we can't get these toys. You think, you need to grow up and get a life You need to actually get out there. and. You should have done it the first time LBC said. I gave you the list of the toys that were going to be the best sellers this Christmas more than two months ago. That would be the time to go, this is what they've said on LBC. Let's go out and start getting a few. Even if it doesn't turn out to be, you've still got a toy you can hang on to. Years ago we had it, but you will find parents on the television. They'll be there with the multi-push the multi push chair things with lots of lots of different kids in there. And they'll be going, uh, I can't get it. I can't get this toy anywhere. And they're going to be really disappointed. And you think, they won't be disappointed. If they haven't seen it, they won't be disappointed by it. Just do a note from Father Christmas. You'll get it in the new year, OK? If you're good. If you're not good and you terrorise the neighbours, you're not getting it at all. But it is—it is probably cheaper to go to America and buy. Or oh, failing that, I saw some people in the market the other day at Northwield, which was bitterly cold and wet and miserable and horrible. And they were banging out boxes of toys and make-up things for girls, really cheaply, really, really cheaply. And so that's—that's that's what it'll be actually. Uh, in the in the in the um, the story about Ollie Murs was apparently he announced the loser, not realising the result had gone to deadlock. But fortunately, the result was the same. Which is a bit lucky. He's not the brightest penny when it comes to presenting. I I love the way that people think that actually sort of presenting is so, so easy. And I watched the other day the, what was it, Sunday night at the London Palladium with Jimmy Tarbuck. He was making mistakes all over the place. Unfortunately for him, it was live. And if there's live television, people make mistakes. You've only got to see the panic they go into on EastEnders whenever they go. And we're going to do a live edition. And you've got actors who've been on the television for, you know, 300 years. All of a sudden screw up and can't remember. At one time, we had somebody calling the character by their real name. And you think just, was it Ian Ian Beale called him Adam, because he's Adam Woodyat. And you think, I mean, mean, and they go, it's a live episode. It almost reminds me of the scene in Tootsie, where he's decided he's had enough of dressing up as a woman, so takes full advantage of the live edition to actually go into his monologue. Which is, the, which is the climax to the film. If you've not seen it, kind of tough, OK. He dresses up as a woman, then he doesn't in the end. But he falls in love with a girl who's in the cast. It's lovely. Steve, I can't see why children being suspended for wrong hair is making the news. That was always a standard rule when I was at school. And that wasn't that long ago. I find it unreal that people are making a fuss over following... A... I mean, the worst thing is, in this particular child's case, who's in the sixth form... He's been, he's been suspended for this before, when he dyed his hair blue. And they went, it's, I'm sorry, it's unacceptable. You're at school. When you leave school, we were always told, when you leave school, you can do whatever you like. You can grow your hair to any length. We had to have regulation hair, which was just off the collar, which seems a little bit draconian, a bit bit Victorian. But uh, that's what it was. So the moment you leave school, you can start growing your hair a bit longer. And if they have a rule saying you don't, dry, you don't uh, dye your hair in different colours... Well, then you don't do it. But, I mean, quite clearly, the boy's an idiot. You know, he dyes it blue, he gets suspended. Then he goes back to normal colour, which is ginger. And then he dyes it pink. I'm seeing a pattern emerging here, aren't you, really? I mean, I do sixth form. Perhaps he could leave very shortly. He could do what he wants, then. But uh, I love the idea. I wouldn't want to be served by anybody in a shop who had different coloured hair, would you? I don't think so. Mind you, see, I'm still a bit funny about tattoos. I saw somebody in in a well-known department store a few months ago. And she was covered in tattoos all over the place. One of those baking programmes, not, not the great British Bake Off, but the uh, one in America where they go round, the they do lovely cakes, and they're really clever things. One of the women is covered in tattoos. How can it ever be considered attractive? Ghastly. I know they say it's art. My body is, a, is an art gallery. No, it looks awful. But that's my opinion. Luckily, we're in a country where are actually allowed an opinion, which is not bad. Uh, A lot of people talking about how cheap the toys are in America. See, I thought you could order them on Amazon and just send them over, but it takes ages to get stuff sent over now. So let's just wait and laugh at all the people who forgot to buy the right stuff and they left it to the last minute and the kiddies are going to be sitting there and they're going to be in tears and it's going to be... And we're going to be laughing and going, you should have followed the advice before. Neil, of course, has done very, very well indeed ever since I mentioned the other day, that I found lights in this garden centre. A thousand lights on one thing. And the box isn't that big, is it, Neil? He decided to go out and they went and bought the lights. So they went all the way over to to Van Hague's and they got the lights. But they also do them 1,500 lights. I think that's quite exciting. So when somebody says, how many lights are you having on your tree this year? I'm going to go, a thousand are they going to go, a 1000 going to go, absolutely, a thousand lights. Nobody, ain't nobody going to be missing my Christmas tree this year. And thank you for the uh, the Brussels sprout <laughs> recipe. <laughs> oh, dear. Did I mention I'm turning the lights on in, uh, in Twickenham on the 22nd of uh, this month, which is uh, Sunday, Sunday coming up. And I'll be doing it with Jane Horrocks. And uh, she's got the new Ab Fab film coming out very shortly as well. There's going to be a choir. There's going to be all sorts of things. So half past five, we'll be doing that, and that's just by the, uh, just by the bank. You can't, you can't miss us. You won't miss us. And there's always good turnout. And apparently the weather's going to be fine. So good news all round. First bit of good news we've had in days. Quarter past six.
0: Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. It's nice to be company. It's six twenty. at Steve Allen's early breakfast. Uh, Jerry says, uh, good to be back after nearly three weeks in America. And uh, apparently, forty nine dollars the new Fire tablet from Amazon in America, in England forty nine pounds. Yeah, that that is the difference, isn't it? It is a difference. If you spend a thousand pounds, there must be a a flight ticket free if you buy over there. The only the only thing you should never buy in America, and I only warn you about this now, is uh, is any Apple products. And the reason you shouldn't is because they have a different North American policy over there. So, in other words, if you buy something over there and you bring it back over here, the warranty is invalid. It's only valid in America. So, it's, you know, even though it might be, you might think, oh, perhaps I'll, I'll do that. No, it's best not. Because years ago, if you remember when they first launched the Apple iPhones, people were having them over here and then trying to, whatever they call, crack into them. or something. I can't remember what it was. To, to make them operate here. And uh, I said, if it goes wrong, you'll take it in. They won't They won't touch it with a barge pole. They'll say, you need to send it back to America. Which, of course, means you've got all sorts of problems waiting for somebody to go back, then come back again, and then it'll, it'll have to be sort of sent by register. Oh, God, it's, it's just not worth it. But uh, most other things, I should imagine games and stuff like that you could probably buy, and books you can buy, and CDs, films. There are far, far better film libraries over there. But I've tried to order on Amazon.com, and they then go, oh, no, sorry, we we, we can't send from America. And yet, if you buy something... Uh, and I have bought on a few occasions from one of these people. They go, oh, in the marketplace you can buy other companies. Some of those are in America and they don't seem to have too many problems popping it in there. So I don't quite understand what their problem is. The front pages of the uh, the papers this morning are dealing with exactly the same as they have done for the last uh, three days. The Daily Mirror. This is uh, Paulina Buckley, uh, the girlfriend of the British victim Nick Alexander. Uh, tears for her boyfriend, prayers for a shattered France as the world mourns. Uh, and then the headline that uh, 2,000 extra spies will be recruited to protect the UK. Uh, they don't say how they're going to recruit them, but they reckon that uh, 2,000 more spies could smash the ISIS terror plots on our soil. I mean, how many people, just a matter of interest, are working for MI6? I mean, I've seen the size of the building the other side of the Thames, and you think to yourself, so another 2,000 people... So, how many have we got at the moment? I mean, can we have questions like this uh, answered? Inside, the attack on uh, freedom, the frantic manhunt for the brutal killer, as you now know. Uh, the latest is that the police over there, the anti-terror police, have raided five locations, uh, some in Toulouse, some in Grenoble. They're looking for the, uh, the brothers in hatred. They're people who harbour hatred against the West Belgium apparently is the hotbed of extremism, I suppose because really they're a bit under the radar there, aren't they? And they don't sort of bother with it. And then all of a sudden they just cross into borders and, uh, and they can carry out their deadly missions. The blunders on the mail today, the Paris carnage security shambles. Uh, full report running pages 2 through 23 today. The Sun, uh, they still had it as 129 dead, whereas now we know it's 132, I think. Uh, The family, three linked to the massacre. One is on the run. France has hit back at ISIS with 20 missiles. And the blood brothers, this is the uh, three brothers. Makes you wonder how you can actually radicalise people. I mean, you know, they're all going to die eventually. And you begin to wonder, for what purpose? For what purpose? So uh, that'll probably come to fruition, I should imagine, by the end of the week. Front page of the Metro, the Brits who hid in the cellar. Uh, Those girls you'll see interviewed uh, all over the place at the moment. Uh, the gunman who'd been rescued from the med only to commit this atrocity. Security, they say, is going to be beefed up in the UK. Where the staff are coming from, border border control are practically stretched to their their limit, I think. Uh, Ian in Warwick says that the guy on the deli counter at my local Sainsbury had tattoos all down his arm. Look really naff. I complained and got him moved to fruit and veg. Oh. That's a, bit, that's a bit cruel, isn't it, I think? I don't think we could, uh, could advise people to do that. I just don't think it looks very nice. I think there are certain things, like this is the story of the boy who dyed his hair pink... As I say, obviously a bit of a nerd, because he dyed it blue and got suspended last year. Now he's done the same thing again. And his stepfather said, well, I don't think there's anything the matter with that at all. Well, they've got rules. You know, if you, if, you, if the rules say you come into work properly attired, then you can come in properly attired. We have dress Down Friday in this building. Although for me, actually, most days dress Down Day. I don't think I ever dress up. If I came in wearing a suit, they'd go... People always say the same thing. You're wearing a suit. Are you going for a job? They always say that, don't they? I always go, no... Hepworth's window. Uh, apparently goods from America attract import duty. God bless our government, says Dave. Yes, I've had that before, actually. I've, I haven't had it with anything that's sort of come in, you know, if somebody sent me a CD or something like that. And I've noticed, I've noticed this sneaky one, when I've ordered, ordered certain things, on the customs declaration they put down toy or something like that. Perhaps toys don't, don't attract it. I've ordered, I've ordered things, things before. It's always very interesting. Uh, well done to Winnie, says, excuse me, little Julie. No doubt we'll have a few drinks when she's back home, because she did the uh, the marathon. So that was uh, that was particularly good. Uh, somebody else talking about uh, the toys in America and how they are cheaper. Only if you live there, I suspect. I think only if you live there. It's actually, you know, the best time to go over is, is, have we had Black Friday here? We haven't had it yet. i tell you what I was looking at. I was looking at, I can't tell you how I know this, but Argos have brought out a special catalogue for... For black friday which might be released but i saw i had a preview of it the other day and what have they got lots in fridge freezers fridge freezers and televisions so they're obviously hoping people are going to go out before christmas this is their kickstart it's the end of next week isn't it so they'll all be doing it they'll all be doing it uh, another one here steve says kate the police are in northern and i'll be armed for as long as i can remember and i'm pretty long in the tooth why are they any different uh brian in q says i'm heading to america next week he said, see you Sunday, turning the lights on. Absolutely, 5.30, me and Jane Horrocks. I'll be the taller, slightly fatter version. She'll be the, the pretty, bubbly one. That's it for this morning. I'm sorry to have a, such a miserable start to uh, to Monday for you. Uh, I hope that the week improves for all of us and those people who lost loved ones. The pictures are in all the papers for today. Uh, you can download the podcast of this programme have a free podcast for you up in about 15 minutes which is something completely different it's uh, our celebrity gossip and I'm back tomorrow morning at four, you can follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show